Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope, with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Pastor Ralph will continue his message entitled, My Inheritance from God, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. And now, with part 2, here's Pastor Ralph. Let's just take a moment and read Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 12 says that God's purpose was that we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. Let's shorten that sentence. God's purpose is that we would end up praising him, that we would end up thanking him, and we would end up worshiping him. That means he has something good in store for us. And when you start talking about God's purpose that we should praise him, I I want you to to think about praise and worship and, and what it does. And when you praise the Lord and you take time to thank him and you take time to honor him for who he is and what he does in your life, you're doing something to the emotions of God. You're doing something to the heart of God. And by the way, selfishly, that'll get you closer to the inheritance, right? But I think praise does something else. When I praise the Lord, it builds my faith. I don't want to miss worshiping with you guys on Sunday morning. And I've been away for, I think there's only really two ways of building your faith. I think one is is by, by praise and worship. The other is by going over the scriptures. The Bible says that that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What I'm doing this morning in teaching you the scripture ought to be building faith in your life and ought to be strengthening you and helping you come to the Lord. Faith is not some spacey, gracey thing. Faith is not just some religious talk. Faith is not hot air. There's weight to faith. There's a weightiness. When, when God speaks to you and says, this is going to happen or this, is, this could happen, There's something that happens that that wells up. It's almost like the air that's in your chest is heavier than it was before. There's this weight. It just stirs you up. And you can be in a crisis and and, and things, everything looks gloomy and awful. And and something just comes over you that just causes you to to have faith. The the, the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know it's going to turn out right. This is this business of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you and I need to be stoked in our faith. How? By praising the Lord, by being in his word, uh, by taking these things to heart and acting them out. And as we do, we gain faith. We grow in faith. Well, let's go on. It says in verse 13, now you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And then it says the Spirit is God's guarantee that he'll give us everything he promised and he's purchased us to be his own people. Now, when it goes on and says this part about when you heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you, I want you to stop and think for a moment about what it would be like to live in a culture that had never heard that truth. You know, I have a friend named Mason Hughes who went to New Guinea and began to declare the gospel to people who were headhunters and who were into a thing called payback. If your tribe, 
you know, accidentally kills somebody from our tribe, then we have to go kill somebody arbitrarily from your tribe because of payback. And he took the gospel into that community and drastically changed the face of that community. These are some of the most loving people on the face of the earth because of the glorious truth that Jesus saves you. This truth that connects us to the heavenlies, this truth that connects us to the spirit realm is a truth that can save and transform and, and radically alter cultures. You know, I just finished reading a book that I, I've read before and I've quoted from it before. I really like it. You know, I'm Irish. My, my last name is an English-sounding last name, but there's Irish people on that little island that got that same name and they fight each other over the name. And my, I, and my grandmother on the other side, my grandfather, his name was Orion. So you get the picture. And I'm in Barnes & Noble in Kahala, and I see a book laying on the table, and it says, How the Irish Save Civilization. And I'm thinking, oh, my, this is a joke book. You know, I'm going to pick it up, and it's going to talk about how Patty O'Rourke put down another, you know. And, and I pick it up, and it's a serious book about Patty, but it's St. Patrick, and how the, the, this young man was kidnapped from his home in England as an eight-year-old boy and carried off by Irish marauders at the same time that Rome was falling. And he lives for eight years in Ireland as a slave. And he's a pagan. And in the midst of this, he has a vision. And in the vision, he sees a person who says, my name is Jesus Christ. Now, he's aware of Jesus Christ, but he's not a believer. And this Jesus person tells him, you're to walk to a certain town, and there's a ship in the port, and that ship is going to take you back to your family in England. And he names the ship. And so this young man, Patrick, walks 200 miles, dressed in the rags of a slave, and nobody molests him or arrests him or does anything to him. And he gets to this port, and there is a ship by that name in that port. Does this blow you away or what? This is history. And when he gets there, the captain won't let him on the ship. And he tells the captain, my parents are wealthy. They'll pay you the whole deal. And no, 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 no. Two days later, the ship is sailing. But when it sails, the captain has a sudden change of mind and allows him to, to, to come on board the ship. The, the sailors want to use him homosexually as a way of him thanking them for the trip. And he declines and they don't molest him. He gets to his home in England and he lives there until 25 years later and God calls him and the whole time God's calling him. But he finally goes back to Ireland and he spends the rest of his life preaching the gospel to these, these marauding people and, and these people who are given their lives you know, human sacrifices going on. And the power of the gospel changes Ireland. But get this, in Europe, the light's gone out. The Goths, the Visigoths, the Vandals, that's where we get our word vandalism. These people have come and they've destroyed, utterly destroyed Rome and Europe. They've burned libraries all over. And they say that everything that we have of ancient civilization we would not have if it wasn't for this man that we call St. Patrick. And the fact that this monastic orders that they started, they started monasteries and they would only let them grow to 150, so they started a bunch of them, began to be human printing presses and they began to 
to, to write out and copy books and they would sell books. And then the, the, the second generation of them, there's a man named Columba and Columba decided that, that, that they were going to go back and teach Europe two things. One, how to read because Europe had forgotten how to read illiterate. And the second thing, they were going to go back and preach the gospel. And Columbus set sail from Ireland with 12 monks in a thing called a coracle. It's a little boat that's made out of wood and leather. And they get out into the deep ocean and they throw their oars away and they pull up their rudder and throw it away and they go, God, take us where you want us to go. They land on the coast of Scotland. They build a monastery there. Boom. There's converts. This whole thing happens. There's a bunch of monasteries. They begin to do this. They call themselves warrior monks. And they go on missionary raids. Those are terms. Into Europe and into England to teach people the gospel and to teach people how to read. And here's what Thomas Cahill, the historian, says. He says, if it weren't for Patrick doing his thing and then those 12 people doing their thing, that we would not have such a concept as Western civilization. Science was born of Western civilization, which was born of Christianity. People thought that the universe is ordered because there's a God who has a mind and so that we can reverse engineer the universe and science is born out of that process of belief in God. We wouldn't have any of that. And in fact, what Kale says is that the, the sword of Islam was pressing Europe. It made it as far as Turkey. And if it weren't for these 12 people and their faith in God, and now get this, he says, it's, it's the truth about Jesus that was declared to you. If it weren't for the truth being declared that, that all of Europe, and in who knows about whatever became the United States, all of Europe would live under the domination and the illiteracy and the poverty that is called Islam today. Twelve people. And, and folks, you can get confused. You can think... Twelve people taught Europe how to read again, and that solved all the problems. That's not the point. Twelve people taught Europe how to read the Bible and how to get in touch with a God who loved them and who has the power to make a difference in your life when you exercise the keys of the kingdom and you pray and something good happens as a result. And, and that kind of thinking and that kind of faith and that kind of courage and that kind of heroism changed the face of the earth. Does that make sense to you? Is this good? You want to go a little further? There's more. He says this. He says that you have heard the truth, the good news. The word good news, by the way, the old English word for it is God spell. Remember there was that musical God spell? And it really means good spell. It isn't the word God there. It doesn't mean God. It means good. Good spell. You have heard the good times are coming. That's the good news. That's what the gospel is. Good times are coming because of God and because of his son. You have heard the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, so you had to do something. God threw you a rope, but you had to grab a hold of it. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you. And if you're writing notes, you could write these two words. He branded you and think in terms of marketing. 
branding, or he tattooed you, that kind of marking. He marked you out as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Now let's talk just a moment about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this, it's God himself coming to live inside of us. In the Old Testament, you read of a few people who encountered the Spirit of the Lord. But in the New Testament, God promised and God gave the Holy Spirit to all who would believe in him. And so we have the ability to commune with God and to fellowship with God and to worship God and to interact with God and for God to answer our prayers and to make the world a different, a better place. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, the scriptures are on your screen. Uh, the Lord promises, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In other words, every nation in the world, we're still looking to see evangelism. This is why I don't think the, that the world's going to blow up next week, is that, that there's untouched nations that have not been reached with the gospel and that we're supposed to do that. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he says that these things will happen, that, that your young men will see visions and it probably means young men and women will see visions. In other words, pictures will come to your mind as you interact with God. And then he says that your old men and your old women will dream dreams. That means that as we get older, we take more naps and God communicates in a different way with us. <laughs> and then he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What's it mean to prophesy? It simply means that God puts something in your mind. You're praying for somebody and God gives you some words to say to them to encourage them. And you go and you share with them. You know, I, I, I was talking with a friend this morning. I was on my vacation and I, 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 was, I was thinking about him. I, I saw somebody who's going through something he's going through. And as I, that was going on, it's like the Lord gave me something to go tell to him. Just some words of encouragement. It wasn't some ooh kind of a deal, you know, it was just... These, this guy needs to hear this. And, and so I went and shared it. And that's what the Bible calls prophecy. You know, you, they, you, you go to prophecy seminars and stuff like that. And people get into the, you know, it, it's just simply God putting his Holy Spirit inside of you, communicating thoughts to your mind and you communicating them to somebody else. And, and there's power in that. And we need to access the power. Does that make sense to you? Well, over in the New Testament, I'm going to give you a fast history lesson here. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, Jesus has, has been crucified, and he's risen from the dead, and he's with his disciples. And if you have any doubts about the resurrection, go read the history of the disciples. They, they all chickened out. When Jesus got in trouble, they all ran. And one of them stood with him all the way to the cross. But the leader of them all, Peter, the big mouth, cursed him. You know, some, some little girl, three times, he denied Jesus in one night. And, and the worst one is, is, is the, we don't know what word he used, but it, it's, it's like, you know, this little girl says, you were with him. You're a Galilean. I know you're one of them. And she's like a 15-year-old girl. And, and here's Peter. Damn it, I never knew him. And just then he hears the rooster crow and he remembers Jesus' prophecy. You'll deny me three times. And he goes away in sorrow. Well, what happened to the disciples that all of a sudden they've got all this power and all this courage and they stand up against the whole world and they're willing to lose their lives 
for what they've experienced. They saw Jesus alive after he's dead and they're meeting with him and Jesus, they're asking Jesus, is it now, is now the time that you're going to come and restore political power to Israel? And Jesus says, forget that. That's not for you to know. What you need to do is wait until you receive the Holy Spirit that's been promised to you. And after you receive him, there's going to be dunamis in your life. There's going to be power in your life. There are going to be things changing because you were in some place. And he says, you wait for that. And so you wait for the promise of the Father. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says that they were having a prayer meeting. There were 120 people. After Jesus, three years of preaching, after feeding the 5,000, after all that he did, the church that he planted in Jerusalem was a church of 120 people. And these people are having a prayer meeting, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it's like, it's, you know, it's a celebration. It's like the grand opening of a store. You make a lot of hubbub. And so the Bible says that this was, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon you in, in, a, in a quiet way. But this day was a big deal, and God made a big deal of it because it was the fulfillment and the initial fulfillment of this prophecy in Joel. And the Bible says that there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind that filled the room where they were, where they were sitting. And, and, and that, the nearest you can get to that is like a hurricane force wind or, or jet blast. Whatever it was, it was so loud that it dragged thousands of people from Jerusalem to the place that they were. I don't think it was because we're going to hear them praying the Lord. I don't think they were praying and hooting and hollering that loud. I think it was that there was this sound came rushing through Jerusalem and people go, what is it? And they come running. And then the Bible says something that looked like tongues of fire appeared on the heads of each one of them. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know, what's that all about? I, I remember in, a little kid in Sunday school, and, you know, you, they make these little cartoon comic book things of the Bible. And, and you look, and it looks like there's a little campfire on the head of every person. And uh, I don't think that's at all what they saw. You know, as a, as a grown-up, I've been introduced to science. I, 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 have you ever gone to one of these science museums, and they got a thing called a Tesla coil? You know what I'm talking about? You go, the guy goes in a room, and he takes a, a fluorescent light bulb, and he holds it up near this thing, and it looks like lightning comes zapping off the thing, and, and, it, and it lights up the thing. And then he goes over, and he puts his finger out there, and it looks like lightning. It touches his finger, and his hair starts to stand up. You ever see that deal? Well, uh, static electricity. And I bet you... It's something like that, that the Lord did. I don't know what it was, but it was something that was designed. It was like Rob McWilliams throwing a party around here. It was something that was designed to get everybody's attention. And then it says, they all began to praise the Lord. Interesting, we've been talking about praise. In languages that they hadn't learned. And they're human languages. And there are people in town on a pilgrimage. And they're hearing people praising God and they know these are Jews from Jerusalem and they don't speak Spanish and they don't speak Italian and they don't speak whatever they speak here and there and everywhere. And they're praising God in our languages and they go, this must be God. Other people are going, no, they're drunk. Peter stands up and says to that, hey, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with you? And then he goes in Acts chapter two, verses 16 to 18. Here's what he says is. You people in the crowd, a lot of you are the ones that called for the murder of Jesus. He's alive and well, and he's doing this today. And the Bible says as a result of that, 3,000 people came to know the Lord and, and, and had their lives transformed. 
Now, God has, has an inheritance for you. He wants you to move through grace to holiness, to obedience, to blessing. And all along the way, he wants to stamp the whole process with the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life because that's how he brands you. That's how he identifies you as his own. Now, how do you know if you've got the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, let me, let me give you one cute trick. Are there things that you used to like to do before you were a Christian that suddenly now you're a Christian and you go, oh, but I don't want to do that anymore? That's evidence of the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. That's, that's, to me, that's the easiest one. That's the starting point, you know, that, that all of a sudden my heart has changed. My, my values have changed, and they changed in a moment when I surrendered my life to the Lord. A lot of work to be done, a lot of changes to be done, a lot of obedience to be doing, a lot of things that, that aren't right in my life right now, but there's something God has branded me. I'm labeled. I have the spirit inside of me, and that's like the down payment on all the rest of the stuff, because if the spirit's in me and I keep progressing with God, I'm going to come to the place of all the inheritance, all the blessing, all the goodies that God has for me are coming my way. Am I making sense at all here this morning? Well, let's just pray and, 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 and make some commitment out of this. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that's there. Lord, this study in Ephesians is, is so good because it focuses so much on, on the pure basics, but it runs deep. It runs real deep. And Lord, this morning as Christians, we would open ourselves to your spirit. And we would say we recognize that you're here to lead and guide us, Holy Spirit. Our prayer to you is come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Come into my heart flow over my soul, begin to lead and guide me. Lord, move me through grace into holiness. Move me through holiness into obedience. Move me through obedience into blessing. Make my life turn into something good and, and let my life be one that's marked by the presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Now keep your eyes closed for a moment. And I just want to take opportunity for those of you that would say, the Holy Spirit isn't in my life. I don't really have a relationship with God, and I want one. And, and I would like to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to do exactly what I just did. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently. But as we pray together, uh, God's going to hear you, and he's going to respond to you, and he's going to come into your life. And so if you want to pray with me, I'm going to pray in, in one minute. And if, you, if it's your choice to pray with me, I want you to signal me that we're praying together. And the way I want you to do that is this. I've got everybody else's eyes closed. I want you to open your eyes and just look at me. And, and by looking at me, you're saying, yeah, pastor, I want to open my heart to the Lord. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the supernatural power of God at work in my life and my soul. If that's you, look at me right now. Okay, I see one person looking up at me. Who else? you, sir, in the middle? Good. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life? And you? Good. Okay, I see a young lady right back here. 
I saw you. Join me in this prayer. God, I, I want to be yours. I want to be born of your spirit. I, I, I come to you today to ask you to adopt me into your family. And Lord, that, that I could learn your grace and learn to live in it. Lord, that I could learn a, a purpose for my life and learn to walk in obedience to it. That I could learn the blessings that you have for me, the power that you have for me. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come in and begin to, to direct and lead and empower my life, my decisions, my prayers, everything. Lord, move in me, move on me. Make my life your life. Make it count for something. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several people prayed to accept the Lord. Is that good news? You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of...